0: Hear the word of God from Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version and can be found on page 836 in the Pew Bible. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, They left everything and followed him. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God.
1: So, when Peter, James, and John set out to fish that day, how little could they have possibly known that their lives would change forever? How little could they have known the adventure that God was calling them to? I think that's a good reminder for us. That as you and I go about our daily business each and every day, how little could you and I have known the grand adventure that God is calling us to be a part of each and every day of our lives? They didn't know that when they started the day. But perhaps they suspected that this day was going to be a little different when the crowds started showing up along the shoreline. You know, they were fishermen. And nothing is more antithetical to the success of a fisherman than a huge crowd showing up in their favorite secret fishing spot. But those crowds weren't there to fish, were they? They were there to see a celebrity, a celebrity that had come from far away to preach to them and to heal them, and this crowd was hanging on every word of Jesus. Everything that he did, every miracle that he performed, he had them wrapped around his little finger, and a huge crowd had formed at their favorite fishing spot. It had to be demoralizing to these fishermen. It's to the point where when the first time we meet Peter, James, and John in Luke, they're not fishing at all, were they? They were off to the side grumbling at the big crowd that had shown up what we find out is that they were washing their nets. I find that interesting. You know, you read the Bible enough times, you come to realize that some of the most important characters in the stories of the Bible aren't just the people, they're the inanimate objects. We find out that those objects carry as much personality, as much punch in driving the plot forward as the people that we meet. I think about Moses holding that rod, you know, that staff that turned into a serpent in front of Pharaoh and that he used to part the waters of the Red Sea. I think of David holding that sling and those five smooth stones that he used to destroy Goliath. I think about the big rock was sealing the entrance to the tomb where Jesus was buried that was rolled away at the day of the resurrection sometimes it's those objects in these Bible stories that communicate real power to us and I think that's what these nets are for us guideposts little lessons for us to learn as we go on our adventure today so I want to suggest to you that these three nets that these nets offer three guideposts that you might want to keep track of in your adventure guide in your sermon bulletin insert this morning. Guidepost number one, these nets remind us of our identity, identity that God made you and wants to use you. These nets symbolized the fullness of the identity of Peter, James, and John. It was not only their profession. These nets were not only their job as fishermen, it constituted their identity and their self-worth and their contributions to society. You know, a big haul of fish would not only mean a big income for their families and food on the table, it would mean the way that they contributed to the wellness of the entire community for them, their work was their worth. Their profession was their identity. And frankly, that's the way it is for you and me, right? We take our work very seriously. We hold our professions as badges of honor. When you meet someone for the first time and you engage in small talk with a stranger, inevitably the conversation moves in the direction of, what do you do? What do you do for a living? What's your job? Because we always assume that a person has some kind of profession. And we make an inherent intuitive connection between their profession and their identity. Well, the first thing we learn from this story of Peter, James, and John is that their identity did not come from their profession. It came from God. And Jesus came along one day to not only claim their work, but to claim their worth. Because think about it. Here's Peter, James, and John washing their nets, giving up on a whole day's fishing. There's a big crowd here, and Jesus comes along, and what does Jesus ask them to do? He says to them, hey, fellas, I'd like to borrow your boat In other words, the crowd was so big that Jesus couldn't get a full view of everybody. He couldn't stand on the shoreline with the crowds and have everybody hear him or see him. So he said to the boys, hey, put me on your boat, push me out a little bit into the water so that I could see everybody, so that they could see me and hear me. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying. Fellas, I'd like to turn your boat into a pulpit. What a profound thing for Jesus to ask, and in fact, it's what God asks of us every single day, that God wants to take our profession, our daily life, our routines, our rituals, every aspect of our being, the fullness of our identity, anything that represents the boat to us, and God wants to turn it into a mechanism for sharing good news with others. God wants to take your boat and turn it into a pulpit because it's God who gives us our identity and God wants to use us to make a difference in our daily lives, in our routines, in the many moments when God wants to use us to talk and reach out to someone in need. Here's an example. I'm part of a a clergy covenant group with some dear close friends. They are other other Methodist ministers in the state of Florida, and we connect each other to love and support each other through life and ministry. In fact, here's a a recent picture of us. We gathered together for a wedding last weekend to celebrate a a wedding of a child of one of our clergy brothers. His name is Scott Smith. He's the pastor at First United Methodist in Ormond Beach. Our covenant group gets together twice a year, we interact with each other literally every day. We text each other words of support and prayer, checking in with each other, sharing wisdom, offering encouragement. And lately, we have even gone to synchronizing our daily devotionals with one another. We read the same Scripture text every single morning, and then we text each other our thoughts, our questions, our insights, our words of, of challenge and encouragement. And last Thursday morning, we were all texting each other our thoughts on the same passage from the book of Genesis when, as it turns out, Scott Smith, one of our clergy brothers, was at that very time in his dentist's office having his appointment for his annual teeth cleaning, and we didn't know that. So here's Scott sitting in the dentist chair with his mouth wide open. And his phone, sitting next to him, is binging off the hook with one text notification after another. It was enough to distract his dentist, who said at one point, uh, "Scott, is there an emergency that you need to tend to? Your phone is going crazy. Should I stop what I'm doing so that you can find out what's going on?" At which point, Scott said, "Ah." It was in that moment that Scott realized something, that God in that very moment was calling him to turn his boat into a pulpit, to take an ordinary moment out of his everyday life as an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. Because very easily Scott could have said, oh, it's nothing, or oh, it's nothing, Or he could have said, it's it's just some friends texting, it's not an emergency. But instead, my friend Scott said this, oh, it's just my Bible study group. We're just texting each other our ideas on this Bible verse that we're reading today. That's all he said. And that's all God needed. Because at that moment, God took that little moment to open up the kingdom of God in Scott's relationship with his dentist. Because then this dentist said, you know, it's been a long time since I've gone to church. And she started to unpack her history with the Christian faith, how she been on again and off again, and how deep down inside she was thinking maybe someday of going back to the church. And it was that moment when a whole world of opportunity was opened up to this dentist who was simply doing her job. I've got news for you. The adventure that God is calling us to is filled with moments like that each and every day where God wants to take the ordinariness of our lives as opportunities to reach out to someone that only you and I can reach out to. And I'll acknowledge on behalf of all of us, this is scary stuff. Because sometimes, most of the time, the last thing we want to acknowledge to someone is that we're a Christian or that we go to a church to go up to someone. In fact, I know that the temptation for us is to say, you know what? I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those Christians. Don't worry. right? Or I go to a church, but I'm not pushy like those other Christians are. Or, or I follow Jesus, but I'm not crazy. Don't. You know? And so we use that as an excuse to not say anything at all. And you know what? We need to get over that. We need to get over that. Because think about all the opportunities that pass us by when God could use us to deeply impact someone else, when God simply wants to take our day and turn it into a moment for the gospel, when God wants to take our boats and turn them into pulpits, when God wants to take our dentist chairs and turn them into altar rails, when God wants to take our offices, our occupations, our jobs, and our careers and turn them into sacramental sanctuaries for the gospel to break through. That's what Peter, James, and John realized, and God was calling them to do something big, and they said yes. Guidepost number two, persistence. God doesn't quit, and neither should you. Hmm? God doesn't quit, and neither should you. You know, when you think about it, what was Jesus thinking when He called these disciples to be missionaries? There is nothing in the resume of a fisherman that suggests they would be good preachers. No offense to any fisherman here, But there is nothing in the CV of a fisherman that suggests they would be good church planters. But you know what? Jesus saw something in Peter, James, and John. He saw one thing in them, and it turns out it was the only thing Jesus needed to see, the only qualification they needed to have, persistence. They didn't quit. The first thing Peter said to Jesus was, look, Jesus, we've been at this fishing thing all night, hasn't produced a single bite. We haven't slept a wink. We haven't caught a single fish. We have been at this all night. And that's all Jesus wanted to hear. Jesus wants to hear from us that we are not going to give up on God or give up on life because God has never quit on us. You know, we get fixated on success, on results, on achievement. So many of us are wired that way. And if you take a look at Peter, James, and John, they were failures at fishing, at least that night. And they admitted it as such to Jesus. But Jesus wasn't looking for their success. Jesus wasn't looking for their achievements. Jesus was simply looking for their willingness to be useful I love what author John MacArthur has said. He said, I don't want to be successful. I want to be useful. And that's what we're called to be because we get fixated on success. The people around us get fixated on our success. But that is of secondary importance to Jesus. Jesus only wants us to be useful, a willingness to say yes, and being useful to God means that when we are discouraged we will not throw in the towel. Being useful to God means that when times are tough we will not take shortcuts. Being useful to God means that when we are burdened by darkness, discouragement, and disbelief we will not give up on God and we will not give up on life because you know what? God has never given up on us and so we can't give up on God. And it also means that when God calls us to do something, we need to do it, even if we don't get it. I mean, think about it. Here's Peter, James, and John. Now they have Jesus in the boat. Now they're in the middle of the lake, and Jesus, this preacher, this carpenter, decides to give these seasoned professionals some fishing advice. Can you imagine? This is Jesus saying to the disciples, hey, fellas, you know what? You might want to pick up your nets and fish on the other side of the boat and try fishing in some deeper water. And we can just imagine cynical Peter saying to himself, well, duh, Jesus. Thanks a lot for the advice. Remember, you're just the carpenter. We're the professionals. Why didn't we think of that? Fishing in the deeper water where there's more fish? Duh. But you know what? Peter didn't say that. Instead... Peter said yes, they picked up their nets, they threw it on the other side of the boat where there was more fish, and it turns out they were successful after all, not just because they got more fish, but because they said yes to Jesus. That's why they were successful, because the third guidepost, number three, community God is with you, and so are others. It turns out that Jesus was right. They not only caught some fish, they caught so many fish that they had never seen that many fish in that net. And it turns out, as Luke says, their nets were about to break by the weight of all the fish that were weighing it down. And here was Peter, James, and John so heavy with these fish that they couldn't lift the nets back into the boat. They were at risk of losing all their fish. And so here is where we learn the third and final guidepost. You can't do it alone. Peter, James, and John could have tried, but their nets probably would have broken. They probably would have lost everything that God had just given them so as it turns out, we learn at the end of this story that they weren't alone. There were other fishermen there. We didn't know that, but they did. So they called in the reinforcements. They called in the community. Some people who were probably right there on the boat, maybe there were other fishermen and other boats all around them, but the point is they brought in other help to surround them, and a community of people brought in those nets, and that's what you have to Because as you go through your life, all throughout 2019, your nets will be full. There will be moments when your nets will be so heavy, with moments of celebration or of struggle, with moments of great joy or of discouragement and sadness. And it'll be in those moments where you are tempted to try to haul those nets up on your own, and you'll realize that life alone is hard, but there's good news. You are surrounded by community. I mean, just look around you. This is why we gather here on Sunday mornings, because it's important for us to know that together we are here to worship God. And on this grand adventure that Jesus is calling you to, there are fellow sojourners on the way. There are fellow adventurers along your side. And that's why we're going to end our service the way we're going to end it, with all of us taking a little trip together Down the center aisle to this baptismal font. Because it's here in this holy sacramental moment of remembrance when we touch the waters of baptism together as a community, we will remember the blessings of God on all of us. In fact, when we come up to remember our baptism, this this moment that we celebrate. Every second Sunday of every year, I'd like for you to think about those three points, those three guidepost words, because they will be fully represented when you touch the water. When you, that moment you touch the water, you will first remember your identity. Because it was in your baptism that God said to you, You are mine. I created you, I claim you, the world's going to try to get its hands on you, but I won't let them. There will be lots of other ways that you can define your self-worth by your profession, by your achievements, by your recognitions, but the only thing that matters is that I love you and that I've given you the only identity you need. And maybe that's what you need to remember this morning when you touch the water. Or number two, you can remember that God doesn't quit. This baptismal font is a reminder of God's persistence. From the moment you were born, God said, I'm going to get to work on your life, and I'm going to keep on working, and my grace is going to wash over you even before you even realize it. God doesn't quit on you, and when you touch that water, say to God, I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to quit on life, I'm not going to quit on the faith, I'm going to keep on going, I'm going to square my jaw, clench my teeth, dig my heels, and I'm going to go one more step at a time to go forward in your path. And then number three, remember that you're not the only one who's going to touch that water today. You're going to be surrounded by adventurers, by the same waters of the same grace, are going to call all of us together on this journey, not just in this space, but all throughout time. Baptism is a family sacrament, and all of us are washed together. And the last thing is, I hope that when you, that when you touch that water, you will hear in your spirit the very same words that Jesus said to the disciples at the end of today's story two simple words. That's all he told him. Follow me. Follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. I'm going to call you on an adventure that will change your life. And those are the words that can transform yours. As we come forward to remember our baptism today, let us give thanks to this God who doesn't quit and recommit ourselves to the adventure of a lifetime. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for calling us this morning to follow in Your footsteps, to reclaim our identity in Christ, to recommit our willingness to You, to follow You, and to be surrounded by such love in this place. We pray, God, for any reluctance or hesitation we have this morning to offer You our very best. Take us use us for Your glory and for the sake of others. In Jesus' name we pray. And let all God's people say, Amen.